This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts Podcast with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, he once had the distinct honor of auditioning to be the voice of a pair of pants. He did not get the job. Luckily, he got a lot of other jobs. Welcome Tony Award winner and star of stage and screen, actor Roger Bart. Okay. Here with Tony Award winner Roger Bart and friend. I think the last time I saw you, not literally, but almost, you were going up on a podium, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to accept the Tony Award for best supporting actor for best supporting actor as Snoopy, Snoopy, which literally everyone in high school won best supporting actor for Snoopy that did it in high school too. Hey, no, by the way, yes. little interesting tidbit about yes. that. Little known um, fact. Little known fact. Oh, well, I'm going to make you sing later for All sure, right. and I'll All be right. singing the other part. Okay. But when I won that sweet thing. Mm-hmm. I ran down the aisle. Yes. I hugged Michael Mayer yes. because he fought for me in yes. the casting process. And then I got up on stage and I danced what is, you know, known, I think, for anybody who knows Snoopy as the Snoopy dance. Sure. Is, Snoopy happy dance. Right. And the day after on The Daily Show, it was referred to by Jon Stewart as the gayest moment at the Tonys. Now, so that that was uh, obviously came as a bit of a surprise to me. Yes. Clearly, he was not familiar with... Uh, Schultz's uh, animated work, because anyone would have known that I was doing the gay Snoopy dance. That's right. Not the just the gay dance. No. I hope that when you look back, that badge of honor will remain even grander than the award itself. The last Tony anecdote for Snoopy, um, you know, they sent it to you like six weeks later in a box, a nice box, but with a little plaque glued to it with your name on it. It was the day, coincidentally, as I received it in the mail, that I was also running to an audition for the voice of, you know, Jared, who was at that point um, representing Subway Sandwiches. Uh-huh. I was up for the voice, an audition for his, the voice of his um, large pants. 
Okay. So it, just to go to show you how, um, First of how all, weirdly glamorous receiving your Tony and then going to the voice of Jared's pants, which, by the way, this is how, how I felt the voice was. Yes. Hello. But I didn't get it. Pants. Okay. First of all, I remember you telling me a story after you won the Tony that you went out to L.A. Well, I did kind of like a Tony tour mm-hmm. in L.A. I was in an, a casting office, and a young assistant there, as I was sitting in the group of people, she kind of just, and, and naively, and maybe just a smidge embarrassed, said, I'm so sorry, um, what's a toiny? Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then I knew... It was at that moment. I knew that, I knew that it wasn't going to do a great deal for me necessarily out right. there. Yeah. When I was right. in the producers, it was much m- more helpful to me. Did you have to audition for the producers? I did, yeah. I was out in Sag Harbor at the, whatever is that, was that Our wonderful Bay, theater? The Bay Street, Bay Street Theater. Theater. I was there with the voice of Piglet. And so, you know, I'd always just make him talk Wait. dirty to me on the rooftop when I'm we would sorry. all drink. What are you talking about? Who's the voice of Piglet? Oh, I think he passed. I can't. I can't. You mean literally like the voice of Piglet? Yeah. And he was in the play with you? He was. I did, oh. yeah. And so, you know, I'd always try to get him, you know, inebriated enough to speak a dirty piglet to me. And um, I was going to have the opportunity to audition for Mel Brooks as Franz Liebkind, mm-hmm. who was the big German, for those of you who don't aren't familiar with it. He's right. a giant German um, uh, played by Kenneth Mars in the original movie. And I thought, you know what? Mel Brooks, Susan Stroman, I'm going in no matter mm-hmm. what, even if I wasn't necessarily spot on. I right. sort of was in a spiritual way. I think right. I, I loved the part. So I went in, and there were, of course, you know, a, a, a room filled with six foot two, you know, giant blonde sausages, you know, giant people, you know, I know. huge I, people. I dated all of them <laughs> at that point. And uh, I went in, and, uh, you know, I, I walk in, and his Mel is so inclined to do, basically has no editive, editing skills. He just kind of went, he's too small, bro. He's too small, you know. So I went in. Um, and Could you hear him saying that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did the number, and uh, and I walked out. And then probably Andy Zerman, wonderful casting oh, director, yeah. he uh, said, you know, Strowan, and I think they looked at each other and said, why don't you just have him read Carmen Ghia while he's here? It probably what got me the job was I opened the door and say yes, and it said it was spelled, you know, Y-E-S-S-S, uh, as to imply um, a slight lisp, I imagine. But I interpreted it as um, holding out the S for as long as I literally humanly can. So I held it out for about 45 seconds when I did it. And Mel Brooks, <laughs> I think he started to weep. I think he couldn't believe that I would be as outrageous as that. Right. You know? And I'm, anybody who knows Mel's world knows that you know being outrageous is, is a great thing. Even if you fail, it's at least just go out there and give it a shot. Were so, they dying laughing Oh, my God, yeah, it was so funny. I knew the movie fairly well, but when, when they hand you sides – there that they know you've never looked at. It's right. wildly liberating because you, A, go with your first instincts. Totally. And B, you are given the great pass of not knowing. That's right. You're just waiting. You cannot be held responsible. That's right. Yeah, That's so. amazing. So did you kind of know, like, I no, just did that I thing? Just, no, I knew that they loved me and, oh. and it was really nice. It was so helpful to me and my, my you know, my daughter, a second daughter was born in the first preview in Chicago. And, you know, I needed a job. Yeah. So it was kind yeah. of uh, an amazing gift. So the night I went to see the producers, Julia Roberts was on my right oh, uh, with Benjamin Bratt, yeah. who was her boyfriend at the time. And yeah. I think, you know, you know, Neil Armstrong was on my left. And, right. you know, like Prince it was Albert the crazy, yeah, literally, yeah. like there's, there's <clears throat> right. Charles and Camilla. Yeah, um, nutty. I mean, it really was. I was reminded of your show recently because I got to see Hamilton. Right. And just the idea of this thing that took New York by storm right. 
was your show. Right. And and Katie Huffman is an old friend of mine. Yeah. And so when, the night I went to see the show, Katie Huffman was on vocal rest mm. uh, the minute the show was over. And we all went out, including you. I somehow found myself sitting next to Mel Brooks, which was ridiculous. Yeah. And... Katie had, on opening night, you guys had gotten a pad that said the producers on it with the opening night date on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I end up having this incredibly long conversation with Mel about keeping my name because Mm. he asked me my name and it's Mm. Alana Levine and I would kept my last Mm. name and I think his original last name was not Brooks. No, it was Kaminsky. Kaminsky, Mm. (laughs) exactly. Mm. And he was so proud of me. Mm. He said, you know, if I had grown up in the business now, mm. I wouldn't have done that. Anyway, we had this really interesting conversation. And as I was about to leave, he said, hold on. And he grabbed Katie Huffman's pad and Sharpie, because actors always have their own Sharpies with them. And he wrote to Alana Levine, my Jewish goddess. Yeah. Love Mel. Exactly. And that is framed, of course. And, you know, if my house was on fire, I would grab mm. my Children, picture, my dog, right. and and and, uh, friends, and probably my husband too. So, are are your parents alive? Are both parents your parents are. still alive? Mm, yeah, they're ninety and ninety one, and they live on Martha's Vineyard. They've been married for uh, sixty eight years. Wow. Yeah. All right. Do you have a story that you can share yeah. of an audition that didn't end up? You know, you can make a bold choice, and it actually, like with Carmen Ghia, it went your way. Right. Because you said yes. <clears throat> you know, and you got to do the movie, too, which, by the way, is amazing. Back Way back when, when I graduated college, which was 84, 85, we had these things called Erdas. And Erdas were basically uh, an audition a lot of people fresh out of college went to to uh, let regional theaters sort of uh, become uh, aware of you. Right. A meet and greet of your talent. And you get to do the dreaded monologue. And now I was never a good monologuist. And actually to this day, I think a lot of actors probably aren't good monologuists because most of the time actors are not asked to stand alone and on stage and do speeches. Really just is unusual. So there were about three or or four panelists there and they um, take copious notes during the audition and I did my monologues. And then this is the kind of cowardly part on their part. About a week later you get their scribble um, on their uh, pieces of paper in the mail with their response to you. And either three or four of them, all of them said in varying degrees of uh, politeness, get out. Do yourself a favor and do us a favor and do showbiz a favor and retire now at the precious age of 22. Don't even bother. You have no talent. That was my one of my first big auditions. So those of you out there, don't be deterred by the first times that you go out and you sort of stumble because I stumbled big time and I knew who I was already. So it didn't it – didn't, I kind of ripped them up and thought, eh, you know, fuck them. You know what I mean? And I was also the first time that I had met with an agent. Um, she referred to me, and I saw her the other day, um, now a manager. Um, it was Kevin's manager. And I remember sitting there and hearing from my acting teacher who was doing a follow-up call, you know, that I was light. What am I going to do with him? You know? Right. And at 22, and I was probably about 133 pounds, you know, I'm sure that it was like, what What were they going to do with me? You know, it's right. a different world back then, too. It wasn't... You know, it was only Matthew Broderick and, you know, Ralph Macchio at that point. And now it's the rest just of Matthew us. Broderick. <laughs> no, Matt, Ralphie's still out there. Um, he's doing a play now with Mario Cantone. There's only five people in the world. So that was sort of a, 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 a thing of like, don't pay attention. And if you really, for those people who are listening to this and, and aspiring young actors, 
what I did was create sort of a, a, a kind of a deadline for myself in terms of whether or not I would should stick it out or uh-huh. not. And and I um, fortunately kind of barely made it, but I'm glad I did. You know, so um, I thought by age 30, if I'm not making a living for me, I felt that since I was not just all about acting and growing up loving, it wasn't like that for me. I was a you know, a diverse person. I'll do something else. Right. You know? So I gave right. it till 30 and I made it, you know, again, by a hair. So you have done so much theater. Would you say at the end of the day you get recognized the most for Desperate Housewives? Is that um, like... Revenge sort of took revenge. over a little bit. Bigger. Um, Desperate Housewives probably the most, you know, even just, a matter of fact, just three minutes before I came in the building, somebody kind of said, were you in Desperate Housewives? You know, it's amazing, you know, some of these people are still just sort of, you know, my daughter's friends are now just watching you know, right. all of the seasons. Right, because it's Housewives. all on Netflix yeah. or whatever. So it will haunt me forever. Or as the director told me on my day that I died on Desperate Housewives, yes. I said, do you think I'll get a job after this? He goes, nah, man, this is your Gilligan. <laughs> 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 it's really funny. So other the other story I have about auditioning was, and this was one where I was sort of sabotaged, which was really tough. It was Brett Ratner. I think one time I was auditioning for a pilot of his, and it's a really funny pilot. And I'd spent a day working with the, auditioning for him and going really slowly, and just loved everything I did. Like freaked right. out, brought me in to test. I was testing against this talented guy who had played a caveman on TV in a short-lived sitcom as a caveman. And between he and I, and he chest bumped him and sort of, and I knew, I thought, well, at that point, I knew the job wasn't mine. You saw that. But, you know, we had a kind of, you know, we have a little producer session, as you know, uh, that happens right before you go to test for network. And in that session, um, I went in and read pretty much identically to what I had done the, the day before. That with he That he loved. And he came out after um, it and he goes, can you just, um, I don't know, just, just, Act less, for God's sake, please, just act less. And it was so horrifying. And I was like, I, A, I don't really kind of know what you mean. Right. And then I just ended up doing kind of like a weird independent film version of right. my audition and was right. completely freaked out. And then we were walking out together, me and this Nick guy, and um, we were talking about how the test went. And I did very well in the room, felt really well. And his phone rang and he said, excuse me. And he never Before came back. Before I even got to the car. <laughs> he never and he came got back. that was his call. He got the job. It's just ugly out there. Wait, did you work with Robert De Niro in Las Vegas with him? No. You didn't I see him. He wasn't him. there. Did you Oh, one more audition story, yes. really quick. Um Little Shop of Horrors, I was twenty five, came in, thought he was a nerd, put pens in my pocket, greased down my hair, wore funny glasses. Right. They started pairing us up. They came out and they said, Roger, you will be with Cindy and um Cindy's face, uh, completely crestfallen that she was with me, um, was completely like, wow, I just lost the job because I'm paired with this idiot. Okay, that's it. I just thought that was an amazing story. Again, you know, that was one of those ones where I came in with an idea and literally, like, was basically, like, relived my moment at the YMCA when it was Hobo Day and I was the only one dressed as a hobo. It was bad stuff. Anyway, that's enough of that. But look at you now. Look at me now. Where's Cindy? You know, I don't really know. I don't know. I do. <laughs> She's not here. She's probably not here. She's, She's not really on your show. Here. Well, you were in Las Vegas. I was in Trumbo. Um, you were in Trumbo. And the thing about you that's so incredible is you work so hard to make it look so easy no. once you're in front of the audience. But yeah. having rehearsed with you, I joked with you, but I remember when we started Charlie Brown in Chicago, I remember you so clearly outside in the parking lot in front of a dumpster working Snoopy's bits over and over mm, and over mm, again mm. until they were in you yeah, so completely, natural. Yeah. so natural and yeah. so 
hilarious. Yeah, well, you know, the old vaudeville, you know, it, it those guys that did all of those vaudeville, you know, and there's a lot of vaudeville in, in, in Charlie Brown, yeah. what we did. Yeah. This old kind of, kind of vaudeville, a sort of uh, Carol Burnett sort of vibe going on with disaster. Yep. And the one thing about those guys, and one wonderful bit of, um, I don't know whether or not Stroman, Susan Stroman said it to Nathan and Matthew or whether just Nathan said it, and he was right when he was doing that dance at the end of the producers, but... You know, they do this wonderful dance that they go, Leo and Max, up off our backs, back on the great white way. And they do it with some with top hats and canes. And the thing that they, the way they rehearsed it was, it has to look like we've been performing this for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And the vaudeville guys toured the same shtick throughout the towns, you know, before television. And everybody, and they did the same routines over and over again. So... Something that happens with all clowning is is that you try to achieve that level of ease and perfection without it ever looking like work. Right. And it's just you just happen to capture them in Poughkeepsie uh, playing totally. on a Thursday night at 11 o'clock. And, it's, and that's, really, that's really a key to making the audience feel like they're in great hands and also – Feel like you're executing it with, with with ease, like it's just second nature. The way any any beautiful art is ever done, right? You know. All right, dancing. I do want to ask you. Yeah. What is going on in this election? How is this going to play out? Where will you move to? Yeah. If it goes south. Yeah. Um. And do you? I mean, I don't you've know been if opening south, a by show. The way, will be the answer, by the way. No, uh, but, uh, no, on, it'll be I mean, Canada or whatever. Be, yeah, I'd be probably moving north. Or I'd love to move to France too. Right. Um. You know, I don't know. I don't know if anybody really kind of knows. It, you know, I, I think everybody is uh, still in shock that certain things have played out that way. I think a lot of people are really nervous about who's going to be a better contender. You know, m- m- the ultimate, my ultimate guess is that um, I love Bernie Sanders. I love, I, I love him to win. I'm not sure exactly. You know, it's not as if he's not been a part of Washington for so long. Right. So it's not. I, I can't. It's not I, he's an outsider. It's not he's like an outsider. Right. He doesn't. He does. He knows. He's just sticking very, very close to message. I think he stands for a lot of wonderful things, and I think Hill is uh, is probably awesome and will, would be effective. Um, but nobody kind of like you know the voting record of Bernie is so always so impressive. Yeah. You know, just like it was with Obama. I just don't really know what to make of it. But you know. It's a crazy world out there. I know that, um, um, you know, I, I was years ago. You know, I have a, a daughter who's mixed, and she was um, she was about three or four at the time. And I showed her picture on Rosie. One time I did the, no, not Rosie on the View, right? And her picture came up, and I received a letter from um, someone in Virginia who wrote, um, "I was a fan of yours until I saw your black daughter, and I will no longer watch you ever again." Holy and you know, it, it, it was really it, you realize that out there there's a lot of anger and a lot mm-hmm. of hatred and a lot of ignorance, and I I can't be bothered with it personally. I don't I can't right. I don't have time for it. I'm not really interested in educating them particularly. Right. I'm sort of I just feel like. Get on board. Come on. Wait, you know, get let's get with it. Right. Bit. Right. So um I'm not surprised that um that this is the state of our that this is, culture right mm, now. Yeah. So you just kind of and that's so so you say jokingly where you're gonna move. I would try to move, I think, to a culture that is um seems to or appears to be a little bit more um evolved intellectually. Right. right. That's all. You know? So it may be that it's Norway or Sweden. It doesn't mean I don't love America. I mm-hmm. just love parts of it. And then Get scared in others, you know. Is your Swedish pretty good? You know it, but it's getting better. 
Um, no, I don't know, but it is pretty there, right? Uh, you I mean, know what? Baltic, you I know? have no uh, idea, but maybe I I'll just, just work uh, on Norwegian cruise lines doing, you know, fully committed or something. Oh my God, that know? would be amazing. Yeah, it's been and now it's happening again. Yeah. All right. Someone just said we were talking about like if you were to sleep with an older person, right? Who would it be? Like who's still living? And four of my friends said, one said Bernie Sanders. And four, I'm just telling Whoa. you, that was a grimace for wow. my listeners. And the other four said Dick Van Dyke oh. in unison. I thought wow. that was fascinating. He's probably loud. Who would be your older lady? Uh, hmm. Dick Van Dyke. I mean, you know, I haven't seen what Jacqueline Bissett looks like these days. No, but, yes, I have. <laughs> she showed up on the Oscars. She looked pretty good. So Jacqueline Bissett. Um, you know, there's, let's see, let me else would be kind of like have you slept with someone older than you yes you have way older or just a little bit i think that's where we draw the line all right, right that's this is roger bart and this i just is want roger to say. bart and i will not tell you everything with love with with oh that's it that's who i'd sleep with rula lenska hello i'm rula lenska hello i'm rula lenska and this is tell me everything with lana levine Come on, do with me. I'll try to remember what it is. Go ahead. Ooh, let's see if I can. You're stupid, self-centered, and moody. I'm moody. You're terribly dull to be with. Yes, I am. And, and nobody nope. likes you, not Frida or Shermie or Linus or Schroeder or Snoopy. Wait, 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 a minute. wait a minute. Snoopy likes me? He only pretends to like you because you feed him. That doesn't count. Or Snoopy, oh, how could I possibly be one small person as thoroughly, totally, utterly... Wait! <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I haven't listened to that soundtrack. It's so good. Go out and buy it now. I'm going to. It's so good, I'm going to go earn 25 cents by buying my own CD of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. This is the best day of my life. Get out. I'm not even kidding. The best day of my life. Until that guy from Mad Men comes and Sure, but that's next week. Yeah. We have a whole host. Actually, Judy Kuhn. Love Judy Kuhn. Kuhn I did um, King David with, which was amazing. She's an amazing singer. It was a two-week concert run, Alan Menken's music. And the very first night, there was um, uh, like a 60-piece orchestra, a 70-piece orchestra, 30 people in the chorus. And I had a patter song. And the mayor was there. The whole place is packed. And the song goes, and I went, Saul's going mad because your every move outshines him. He made me That's what I did. That's like when um, horrible. Who does it? It was like uh, not Rita Moreno, but somebody oh, like that. Oh yeah, the yeah, same, yeah. Like, Leslie Adams. Like, <laughs> she said, June is busting all over. Yeah, it's amazing. Actually, Kevin Chamberlain knows that like literally every word of it. BD one has like every kind of hilarious thing like that on a loop. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. send it's them and like, a um, zooping and a zapping and a hooping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are out. All right, bye. I'm Alana Levine. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review our show in the iTunes show page. Little Known Facts is recorded at the Hangar Studios in New York City. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.